Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. This is Everything Under the Sun, brought to you by the youth leadership at Door Church. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. How's everybody doing? Um, actually, I was supposed to be on a flight at 9.30 in Los Angeles tonight, but I decided that I was going to stay for Pastor Mitchell's funeral next week. So then uh, uh, Gabe Ruby uh, snatched me up and uh, invited me. And I guess I guess JR was supposed to have something tonight. So um, good to see JR McKenzie, the baby. Um, so uh, I get... I'll uh, say my piece, and I think uh, Jr. will will uh, bring a good word uh, next week. So it's good to see everybody, and this is really warm out here. Um, London is kind of uh, a little bit cooler than this, and so we 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 don't act you, you you acclimate to these different climates, and, and so it's I feel like like we're in Blythe, but man, God's good. I don't remember September being this warm. Is it? This must be different. It must be. Um, Anyway, I want to um, bring a message. We're going to talk, though. I'm going to just lay out some thoughts. I call this The Apostle on Sex and Romance. It was a book years ago called Solomon on Sex, but the Apostle Paul had some of his own ideas, and I think these ideas are often misunderstood, and a lot of times Protestants just completely kick out his ideas because he mentions words like ideas like celibacy and stuff like that. You know, It makes us uncomfortable, but he is the Apostle Paul, and his writing is in the Bible, and it kind of should gives, give us pause at least to consider what he was getting at with his words. But um, this subject confuses a lot of Christians, especially young Christians, and, and um, we don't know how to deal with it. We take it like super seriously on the extreme, either seriously in the sense that it's the most important issue in Christianity, or we, we um, uh, you know, somehow believe that um, the other extreme is that it's not serious at all. God doesn't really care. He knows you're young and you kind of do your thing. Um, most, most of you have heard of Josh Harris. Probably not. You guys remember Josh Harris? He shocked the Christian world. And I'll, if you don't know who he is, I'll tell you who he is. He was uh, uh, an author and a speaker that used to talk about uh, abstinence. That was his great theme and how to kiss dating goodbye and how Christians should be like ultra careful with all of these sort of things. One time I had almost a, uh, the word's not hilarious, but a very amusing conversation with Philip and some of the guys from his generation that were absolutely traumatized by this stuff. Um, and so basically this teaching, you know, he, he emphasized sex so much he freaked people out. And um, it's really true. And so when I heard this last year, I think it was, that he no longer believes in God, I wasn't shocked at all because I figured this guy was an extremist. And sometimes people that live on the extremes of something, they're always in danger of jeopardizing their faith when life doesn't really balance out. In fact, somebody called his teaching the sexual prosperity gospel. You know what I mean? If you just do everything right, you're going to have just a, a fairy tale like wedding and it's all going to, you know, your marriage is going to be absolutely perfect and you're never going to have problems. No, that's not true. And the truth is, guys, whether whatever extreme you're looking at it, whether it's, it's from the extreme of I've got to have a relationship or you think it's the most important thing to, 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 to stay away from, 
sex is really not everything. It really isn't. And this is what I think Paul is getting at. Let me read here. And I'm going to uh, tell you a story later that really struck me. First Corinthians chapter 7. I'm just going to run through this. Uh, verse 1. He says, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, that mean marriage rights, and likewise, likewise the wife to her husband. And then he goes on to say, uh, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And he says in verse 7, I wish, listen, I wish that all were as I am myself. He didn't have a woman. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and, and one of another. To the unmarried uh, and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to be aflame with passion. And then verse 28, but if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. So I want to talk about this subject because Paul absolutely, um, I think, makes us uncomfortable. In that, he emphasizes over and over again that even though there's a natural aspect to this, it is not everything. And we live at a time where people really believe that having a relationship is the most important thing in life no matter what. And this is a very dangerous idea. In the days that Paul was preaching, he was actually in Greece. Greece was, a, you know, Greece was Greece. And even Greece today is pretty nasty in a lot of ways. And so in that, this is the first century and this is Corinth, and uh, sexual, human sexuality is flaunted. Uh, it's everywhere. Uh, it's, it's a Roman Greek culture, and even in Israel, they had Roman cities. They had 10 of them, and if you've visited Israel, you'll see that Israel was actually a crossroads in the world. The Rome had a lot going on there. Each of these cities had bathhouses, and these bathhouses uh, were, were, um, were known to be vile. I mean, they brought their culture uh, with them. In fact, these cities were so vile, Jews were not even allowed to go into the gates of these cities. And so Paul is talking to a generation that thinks sex is everything. And let me tell you something, that reminds me a lot of our generation. That uh, no matter what, you better have a relationship. And so many people make very bad choices in their lives because they believe the most important thing in life is to have a relationship. Bad choices, bad relationships, people that uh, do uh, residual damage to each other's um, personalities and psyches. <laughs> and, and why did they do it? Because if you don't have a relationship, you ain't got nothing. That's what the world says. You want to know the most depressing day of the year to single people is we know what it is. I don't have to t ask you. <laughs> February 14th, the day Arizona became a state for some reason that, bug that bugs single people. But um, 
you know, when I was here, some of you guys remember remember the table for six idea, and and um, uh, knives were out, man. And all I was trying to do is get people to mix a little bit. But one of my inspirations was because I know the spirit that we're dealing with in the, of this age, man. Because people feel like, oh man, I just better have a relationship. I don't care who it is. Uh, and and I, I know this is politically incorrect, but I believe it's true anyway. I believe one of the reasons we see a lot more homosexuals today is because people believe they have to have a relationship no matter what. And, um, you know, if they're not getting any, 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 any bites over here, you know, it's like the old line goes, um, the good thing about being a bisexual is that it doubles your chances for a date on Saturday night. So, I mean, it's, it's crude, but it, that's probably really true in a lot of cases in terms of how people make choices because the idea is oh I just gotta have something anything really and so this is what Paul is speaking to he's saying don't just go out there and find something because and then he describes a lot of the the difficulties of life and marriage and relationship and he says not just about that that single Christians need to think first and foremost of the uh, of, of this is an opportunity and a season to serve God. Now, before you you freak out here, I'm not saying that every one of you should forget about having a relationship. That's not what I'm saying. But I do know that it's 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 some a time in everyone's life where you have to as a Christian, you've got to be able to be single for God. You know what I mean? You've got to be able to be single for God. You've got to have that resolve that I'm just going to serve God. You know, um, I knew that my daughter Jessica was going to be okay as a Christian. When she first got saved, she came to the university here, and she just told me, you know, Dad, I'm just going to go to school, work, and find a career. I'm not going to, you know, wring my hands waiting for a guy to come and, uh, uh, you know, so we can get sent out or something like that. It's okay if she gets sent out, but you know what I mean? I'm not just going to sit there and wait, and I'm going to do what I got to do. And I, something in me had a piece about that, saying she's going to be okay. Because every Christian's got to go through at least a season of being a celibate. You know what a celibate is? Where you are living single unto God. How many know a celibate is, is, is um, today the word celibate means... Uh, uh, only having you know one relationship at a time, you know what I'm saying? Or, or, or I'm not married, but I, and I'm probably not going to get married. No, I'm telling you, it's 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 celibate means you're you're living apart for God, and you don't need a relationship to validate you as a Christian. I remember we baptized somebody here years ago. I never forget his testimony. He said, um, "I just want to thank God. Uh, I've been saved one week, and He's given me a girlfriend and a TV." You know, and God's been so, <laughs> so good to us. And I thought, you know, something told me like, wow, well, this guy probably has a little more dunking. They would do him, do him one more time, man. Maybe he'll, he'll, he'll get it. But that's what the worst thing you can do when you get saved is just get a girlfriend or a boyfriend. I'm telling you, right? We used to have this ministry called Off the Altar Ministry. It was actually to help new converts, you know, with a fellowship. But I know that Off the Altar Ministry has been going on a long time, and some Christians when it comes to dating you know they just look for people and they 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 uh 
They don't give people time to serve God, time to develop, time to, you know what I mean, to figure out who they are and what they want to do. I did a lot of youth ministry over the years, me and my wife. And one thing I figured out, uh, and some of you guys are a little older now, but uh, sometimes they just fall in love. Like there could be like, you know, girls start coming of age, you know, they start turning into young women and they start becoming beautiful. And these guys just like, they just fall for like a 16-year-old girl. And I always tell them, don't invest yourself in a 16-year-old girl. Because you know what's going to happen? You're going to be her first boyfriend, and she's going to be all excited about having a boyfriend. But then she's going to figure a few things out, and she's going to move on. You're going to officially become a big step, and she's going to step right on top of your head to the next level. And so that's why you never invest yourself in a 16-year-old girl. And likewise, guys, and that's what I really believe it. Because people grow up. They mature. They change. They figure a few things out. And so that's why uh, I personally believe... uh, People should not get involved in serious relationships when they're young because they can't go anywhere except trouble. You know what I'm saying? Because you've got to figure some stuff out about yourself, who you are, and most importantly, and I think this is what Paul's getting at, you've got to figure out yourself in God. And so he's basically saying this, that rather than screw your life up with a bad relationship, you should always put at the top of your agenda as this about serving God and glorifying God. You understand what I'm saying? He's not saying, and let me add to this, he's saying those that do this, you have not sinned. But he's basically emphasizing something here, is that don't elevate the idea of having a relationship with somebody above your relationship with God. And that's what people end up doing. Oftentimes, make very bad choices. It doesn't mean that they'll never recover. They, I see people all the time. They get bad marriages, bad relationships. And because they love God and they're genuinely converted to Christ, they come back. They'll come back to church. They come back to church with loads of problems, but they come back. Do you understand? So it has to do really with uh, uh, understanding what's first. And so our, our great tendency is to over-spiritualize this. And so I, I like the way Paul gets down to this, folks. Is that, and I move on, I'm, we're going to move on and have a little discussion. But basically what he's saying is, it's very natural to be attracted to the opposite sex. It's a nature. And he, you notice his emphasis on sex here. It's never, nothing in here is about romance. It's always, you know, uh, keep coming together, he tells a new couple, so you won't get tempted better to marry than to burn. I mean, he's giving, he's, he's actually speaking of marriage in a very almost unromantic way. He's talking about sexual attraction and the, and the need to have, uh, you know, a relationship. But what, what I'm saying is we oftentimes so over-spiritualize this, we, we, we lose our balance. And when we lose our balance, it's very hard to understand. Some people, because they know it's important, They've overemphasized sex to where it's like has become the unforgivable sin if you if you if you fail. It's not the unforgivable sin. It's it's about learning how to serve God and do the right thing. That's what it's about. But you know why they think it's unfor- unforgivable? Because they put too much emphasis on the, its importance. It's actually exactly what happened with the whole abstinence movement. The emphasis turned made it into a silly thing. Um, Jay Leno 
uh, I know he's an old guy now, um, but he was talking about how uh, the abstinence movement, uh, and it was kind of embarrassing, but it got to the point where it became like a, uh, a cottage industry, you know, where they would just have all these gimmicks associated with it. And they actually were selling underwear with, with the label inside that said, no vow, no sex. And uh, he, he made a great comment. He said, uh, if your date is close enough to read your underwear, that virginity thing isn't going to last, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it, it just got silly. But, the, the, but the, you know, oh, we're just going to make this the most important thing. It's not the most important thing. That's the point. It's neither on either side the most important thing. The most important thing is learning how to serve God and to go forward in God and make God first in your life. And a lot of people, uh, again, they fail. It happens. And I'm not justifying it, but I'm saying the idea that, oh, my life's over because I messed up. No, it isn't. The Bible says learn to do right. Just learn how to do the right thing. Now, there, I'm not saying there's not, um, you know, fallout and consequences. Life brings that. But it's not the end of the world. And so it, it, this is, to me, the great meaning beyond, you know, it's not just not having, but when people sometimes go through life and they mess up, they think, they think it's the end of the world because they put too much importance on it in the first place. The only thing that's important, folks, is serving God and the blood of Jesus. That's what's important. And God can change us and help us and free us if we just get that much of it. Let me share a story with you that got me thinking about this subject. This was written by a girl named Jessie Golem. This was a piece in the Huffington Post. I don't, I don't highly recommend the Huffington Post. There's a lot of articles not too complimentary of Christianity, but I couldn't help but uh, be drawn to this one because the headline was this. I was a hardcore Christian, but this is why I lost my faith. And so I, I looked at this girl and I looked her up on her own website and everything and she found out who she was. And she tells a, a story that I found very compelling. She was about 11 or 12 years old and she joined a church youth group, kind of like Vision. And she says that she really got a lot out of it. I mean, it met a major need in her life. She was very shy, uh, had a very dysfunctional family situation, but she got involved with this group, made good friends, life, you know, people that she was for years was involved with. Uh, they cared about her and she said she had a great experience in the youth group. About the time she started university, she had met different Christians at different Christian events and she was living in Canada and uh, she said that this, this guy that she met at one of these Christian events invited her to go to Canada. Her friend said, yeah, it doesn't look good, but she said, oh, he's a Christian. You know, that is, he's a Christian. And uh, so she went ahead and allowed him to buy her ticket. And against their, her better judgment, she went. Anyway, you can almost guess, she got date raped by this guy. And um, she couldn't tell anybody about it, she said. And you know, the thing that she said freaked her out the most were these illustrations where it talks about, you know, like if you're, if you lose your virginity, the tape tears and you're like damaged goods forever. You know, that kind of, those illustrations. She said she was tormented by these illustrations, tormented in her head. And even though it wasn't all her fault, but listen to how she put it. She said, I've heard 
and there have been to talks where people equate premarital sex to losing your value or being like a piece of tape that gets stuck and restuck until it can't stick anymore or a bank account where you're cashing out money until you have none at the time I was heavily I was very heavily I very heavily blamed myself for what happened to me and was terrified a large portion of my reasoning was those analogies about what happens when you have sex before marriage they kept playing over and over again in my head I had finally got the courage to stop thinking about those sex before marriage ruins you analogies and talk about what happened and I thought man this is such a tragic reaction to somebody just being in a bad situation and maybe making an unwise choice but you know what's so sad is she said she had to give up her Christianity to reconcile herself to those feelings and I thought to myself I've, I've known a few people like this they don't say it but that's the way they feel you see why do people feel that way because they have elevated sex to be just like the most it's almost an idol unto itself do you see what I'm saying become like its own idol just like the world makes it into an idol and they they celebrate everything with sex they sell everything with sex sometimes there's an there's a reverse version of that where people elevate sex so much oh no I messed up I'm damaged goods I'm torn it's forget I'm, I'm no good anymore and the devil is more than happy to say that's right you finally understand you failed Paul is basically just saying, as I close, he's saying, put God first. That's what really matters. And if you're going to, your relationship takes away your devotion to Jesus, then that's not a good relationship, right? But if you can find a, a mate that you can serve God together, you have not sinned. That's a great thing too. But the, the issue is do not put a relationship and sex before God. Don't put it because you think you've got to have it or because you think I failed it and therefore I'm no good to God. Let me tell you something. Either the blood of Jesus forgives our sins or, I, or it's no good at all. And the idea that this is everything is false. It's a false notion. Sex is not everything. It's not everything in terms of fulfillment, and it's not everything in terms of sin and failure. Jesus is everything, folks. He is the all in the all. So anyway, that's uh, my presentation here. I really wanted to uh, share that girl's story. It struck, it struck me. I felt bad. I didn't know her. She's not from our fellowship, but I really felt bad. I said, gosh, this little girl got ripped off, not just by that dude, she got ripped off by an idea that set her up for failure and to throw faith out the window. So I want to have any, we have another mic here. Does the cord read? Anybody want to add to this? Ask a question, add to this. Um, anybody, come on, somebody. Because I'll, I'll, call, I'll call on the, uh, the big guns here. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Okay, go ahead. All right. So, so here's, um, so, yeah, I, I, so coming from me personally, yeah, it's, it's hard for anyone to talk about, so. No, yeah, um, I know, this is not the yeah, easy subject, not, but at the not, same time, you know, again, it's because we so overemphasize it yeah. as being a taboo. Go ahead. So, so here's, here's, here's the cut and dry version. Um, I agree with everything you're saying, but emotionally, when I'm, 
when I come to that point where you're thinking about things like that and you, you want relationship, it all goes out the window because you're, you're in a fog of emotion. How do you deal with that? How do you keep your head on straight? I mean, that's a, thank you, uh, Josh. That's, that's, that's a great comment because we're human beings after all, right? So what did he keep emphasizing here? He said, it's better to marry than to burn, right? So he was saying, when you're, and, and he's talking about nature now. He's talking about nature. That nature is nature. So what you have to do is you have to manage nature. So uh, this is why there's other teachings that says, this is why every person needs to be able to possess their vessel in holiness to God. In other words, that's part of your battle, okay? This is real. Uh, I want this, uh, but, at, but until all of that happens, I'm going to take dominion and I'm going to pray, and, and I'm going to pursue. There's, let me just throw this out. There's nothing wrong with going on a date. Uh, I learned this from Pastor Mitchell. Amen. I did. I learned it to, from Pastor Mitchell. Um, I, a, a lot of us were influenced by that teaching. You know, like if you're, uh, you know, we believed in social distancing before there was social distancing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, we, uh, <laughs> but, and, 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 the problem with that is the, the most aggressive and carnal people were the ones that saw through it <laughs> and they didn't care. So, you know, g decent, normal people, you know, they, they see you together somewhere and, and you know, they see you sitting at Starbucks having a cup of coffee and before you know it, man, they have you married or, or you're getting warned about fornication and, you know, st <laughs> stuff like that's going on. Now, you can talk to your pastoral staff. I know, the, I know them pretty good. Um, but Pastor Mitchell had a statement. He was like, have a date, don't fornicate. That was it. <laughs> now, now, of course, if the younger people, again, I don't even think younger people should be getting involved in serious relationships anyway. But as you get older, you know, and you're over 21, listen, it doesn't mean you disrespect your parents and all that, but, you know, there's a point where uh, you know, you, you got to be who you are, and if and if you're a, you're a latch, it's gonna happen. You know, what I'm saying you got, or you're gonna be what you are. So um, a lot of times, it's the guys and girls that grow up in church. They just don't know. They feel so awkward with these things that um, the, the the people coming from the outside, you know, who know how the world works, and they're not as shy about these things. You know what I mean? And and they they'll just it's like. You know, some of these guys come in from the world, man. They're like, man, this is like candy, a candy store here. And all the Christian guys are standing on the wall, you know, watching stuff go down. So, you know what I'm saying? So, once you are over 21, man, I'm saying, um, I, I believe in nature. Just do the right thing. So, that's, that's my answer, is that nature is there. You got to press through it. Go ahead, Shauna. I, I was definitely like grew up in that Joshua Harris like, whatever. Um, so it was interesting, like do you know to like kind of come out of it and realize that I disagreed with him, and like that, honestly, like what? But what, there was one thing that he said that I stuck with me, and I like will tell it to people is that, like you can be in a relationship. And if you find that there's not compatibility and you break up, like that relationship is not a failure. 
Like you learn so much, especially if you're a sheltered church kid, (laughs) (laughs) about yourself, about who you are and like what it means to like put another person first and like try to like, you know, like not be selfish and try to figure out how to like, you know, honor another person in that relationship it's a it's a success if you figure out that that's not going to work for you in the future it's not a long-term thing but that's something that he did say that i actually really it really resonated but i i did think, i do think he did a lot of damage otherwise well i think that's what uh, i think he feels guilty for it um yeah what she's what let me just translate what she said she said it's such nice words when you date and you have to break up and get your feelings hurt that's when you have to realize i can't be a psycho or a stalker you know <laughs> Um, I, I have to control myself. I have to be respectful. I can't, you know, you know what I'm saying? I got to keep it under control. Um, again, I, you know how it is here. Uh, you get a relationship. We, we were kidding. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but um, this one brother, he struck up a relationship in the Spanish section, and they were, they were kidding, and they're saying, bro, her family's already buying the tortillas for the reception now, you know? And so... So, you know how it is. I thought that was funny. They were giving him a hard time because, you know, that's that's the culture, right? That's a church culture. <laughs> but let me just say this. Moral failure is more often related to the fact that people always have to be dating somebody. And those people scare everybody else off. But I've passed it a long time. Most situations where I, there's a moral failure pattern it's because they're always dating. So they're doing exactly what Paul said not to do. I've got to have a relationship. I got to have a relationship. I got that. That's going to set somebody up for, for moral failure. It's not going out on a nice date. It's not getting to know people. You know, you, there's things you can do. You can go in groups. There are things you can do and should do. And you should not be afraid to get support from brethren. Old, I, I preached this back in the day here, but old cultures all had support systems where they help each other find mates, folks. So don't feel embarrassed to get a little bit of help, a little bit of assistance, because, uh, you know, that's the way all cultures, all cultures had it. We don't have it in modern American culture anymore. Uh, so, any, oh, there. Yeah, any question? Go ahead. Actually, two. <clears throat> so the first question is, at what point in like a dating relationship is it appropriate to talk about like your sexual past? And then a follow-up question is, how much weight should someone's sexual past have? Because I, I had a friend who was dating someone for a while, and then they got to that point where they talked about those kinds of things because they were getting more serious. And then he shared with her, like, yeah, like, I have a really checkered past. And that was one of the main reasons why she broke up with him. And so, like, at what point, like, you know, you discern whether or not you can kind of, like, handle? Yeah, well, um, that, these are great questions um i wouldn't make that an issue unless people were talking about getting married that i wouldn't i know we uh, i think i said this the other day but we live in a tmi generation so we don't have to go right straight to that stuff at all and it's between them only it's not it doesn't have to be discussed with anybody else or you know what i mean so i would it would be marriage is marriage, this will be, okay, you're, you're, you begin to angle toward a real marriage commitment. That's when those discussions can and should be had. Spiritual health and well-being, again, what I'm talking about today, 
when people are healthy they have dominion the only time a pattern would to me be an issue is if someone was still very sloppy morally right if 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 the girl you're dating for example this, this girl your friend and she's got this relationship that relationship that relationship then then that could be an issue because there's still a, a, a living pattern to there that you might be concerned about you see what i'm saying but if it's not if it's something in the past and it's it there's a growth and there's a you know what i mean there's an there's a, an honest phase of uh, of growing up and maturing well then it's an it's a non-issue it's not not an issue with god is it he said such were some of you but you you were washed you were cleansed you're you're, you're renewed so it's only an issue if it's still an issue let's put it that but there could be a pattern now if someone uh, said uh, if a girl said you know I used to be a pole dancer and uh, my you know my last uh, uh, dance is Thursday then I would see like well m maybe we ought to work through this you know so who's next here good question though very honest question that's where discussions that that's real right there come on who else before I uh, Oh, there's Mackenzie right here. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Who's got the, the mic? Hot mic. Hi. Um, can you hear me? Sorry, I like spit into the mic. Um, I feel very passionate about this topic, so I'm glad that you talk are talking about it. Um, I think that a lot of times, and I feel like it's especially pressed upon girls in the church that, oh, you have to be pure. You have to be pure. But it's to the point that, like you were saying, like sex is, you know, oh my gosh, you can't talk about it. And then they go out into the world and then they have friends who are having sex and they're having, you know, talking to them about, oh my gosh, what do I do? And all these things. And then they freeze and they're like, oh, you're condemned. And like all these things because they never got the opportunity to talk about it, to ask those questions. And so I think it's super important for us as a church culture to invite that, those types of questions, because they're going to ask them regardless. And so it's like you have to give them the opportunity to, because I think, too, I've always I, I never liked when, you know, people are like, oh, their marriage is going to be so blessed because they waited. And it's like, yes, there totally is a blessing. But then it's like, who's to say that? your marriage can't be blessed too. You know what I mean? Like, who's to say that? Like, how can you determine God's glory? And you know, I don't know if that makes sense. No, it, it makes sense. Notice the age group I'm talking to. I'm not talking to the young people, the vision. Right. You, vision age, you, you do the right thing. You, you know what I mean? You can drill it, when your kids, and trust me, when you're parents, you're going to drill the virginity message too. So, um, I'm not saying, well, I'm talking to a different age group here, folks. I'm talking to adults, at least in my mind, I'm talking to adults, right? And so adults are different. Now it's time to grow up and face the real world. I'm not diminishing that, that, um, that, that ideal. I'm just saying I'm talking to adults in the real world now. And now people have nicks and cuts and bruises, and they don't get over those nicks and cuts and bruises. And you should because... The power of the Holy Spirit regenerates death into life. And yet Christians can't regenerate from failure and bruises and bumps and experiences. There's nothing that there's nothing the devil can hold you down to, folks, if you believe in Jesus, right? So do you understand the balance? In that group over there, I did not want them here today. I wanted to talk to you guys because 
you want the ideal to keep there as, as long as possible but once you go through a little bit of life and you see life we're not a lot of times you didn't even know who you were till you got saved some of you got really saved because you you've landed flat on your face and said oh my god this is inside of me i'm a, i could be pretty messed up if i want to be and that's how you got saved so it, you know what i mean all things work together for the good for them to that love god eventually god can turn anything around make it work for his purpose but we do not want to let go of that ideal but we're adults now so i'm, I'm we're, we're having an adult talk so, it's you bring this up because i was I, a while back you know when i actually like you know met up with old friends back before quarantine um just talking with you know talking with people who grew up in church and they would use essentially their sexual history as like that is their excuse they're like well i mean i'm doing these things right now and i don't plan on stopping and thus i am completely like i have completely separated myself from anything to do with god and like me it seems like that's their first thing when you start talking to them about the things of God is they're like oh let me put up this piece of defense um, and for them they've like created their identity or if you have like someone who is living a homosexual lifestyle that is their first thing what does your church think of sexuality yeah, yeah. because it becomes their identity they start identifying with their sin within itself and so like how would you I mean how, how do you minister to somebody who essentially they have taken ownership of their their sexual identity has become their identity. Wow! Uh, again, that's that's pretty intense. Um, you know what? What did Paul say? And again, I re I'll refer to it. First Corinthians chapter six. Right after that laundry list, you know, of all the people that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right? He says homosexuals, fornicators, adulterers, and he goes on. And then he says, "Such were some of you, and now you're washed." You know, and so. Uh, so the, the point of, of, of that whole idea is, is just what you said. This culture, our generation, has turned your sexual identity into you. Um, there's big rainbow flags being waved down the street. They're, everything about them is, is supposed to be represented in that, that the gay identity. You know, prior to the, uh, the, the gay movement, you know, there were a lot of homosexuals that were actually quite prominent and effective in various uh, areas of life. You know, you'd be surprised some of these, who these, some of these people were, not just actors either. I mean, there were people that were, were um, I was just reading about Gore Vidal. Gore Vidal, he was a, an historian. Uh, he, he was a regular contributor to the major networks, you know, back in the 1960s and early 70s. And, and uh, you know, he'd be sitting on the, the the, the podium for, you know, like presidential elections and stuff. You know, the guy's a homosexual, but it wasn't because he was rave, waving a rainbow flag. I mean, and they very much knew that. But do you understand what I'm saying? Today, it's all about that first. We, we live in a day of identity politics. Well, there's a spiritual version of that as well, identity. But you know what? That's what, that's what Paul's saying. Your identity should not be defined by your relationship one way or the other. Your identity in God, right? And I think of these guys, a lot of times people in the gay lifestyle, so to speak, are bound because they put so, they've invested so much in that identity, not just in the relationship, but in that identity. And if they realize that they have an identity in Christ, God can begin to tear away, you know, that bondage. But people have always served God from various backgrounds.
forgot. No, Mackenzie's next. I'm sorry. She's been holding that mic. She's quiet. So, and then uh, with the mask. I know. I just like a couple of comments. One, I remember. I think it was during your Frozen in Love series, <laughs> back in back in the day. Oh yeah. You talked about. Uh, Girl, like one of the girls in your youth ministry was given like a testimony basically like well I'm a virgin I've saved myself so like I know I'm gonna get blessed like kind of what Kelsey is saying like they're just gonna be so blessed so I think that growing up in church you can almost like it's like a badge of well I'm just so pure so that means God is just gonna send this knight in shining armor to me and vice versa like you think well yeah it's great that you're doing everything right it's great that you're you're not not fornicating all these things but like it doesn't mean that god's just gonna drop somebody in your lap so like that's one thing um (laughs) and then uh there's this marriage counselor uh esther perel who's she's yeah she's really good but yeah uh, jessica sent me the the link yeah Yeah. she's really good but she talks about how uh she sees in modern relationships that it's there's so like you're talking about I need to be in a relationship I need to be in a relationship there's so much emphasis within that relationship that this person is my all in all this person is my my spiritual experience they're they're my spontaneous partner but they're reliable like you're looking for all of these dichotomies in one person and it's just she says you're looking for one person to fulfill what a village once fulfilled like you're not going to find that and people go into relationships with this expectation that this person is going to have everything that I could possibly want and then when that doesn't happen it's like oh well I'm not this isn't the right person then there's somebody else out there for me so sorry those are kind of two separate no that was great a great uh you know um to follow up on that she it goes back to culture right and friends and family you know the reason marriages survived back in the old older and other times is because you had all the support system that you didn't have to get that whole relationship out of the husband and wife a woman could just tell her husband go away and then she could talk to her friends and you know what i mean the women would wash down at the river and stuff like they always had a different they always had always had more than each other but this idea you're going to give your whole life up your walk with god your ministry and you're going to run off with somebody and they're going to make up for all that oh you are headed for massive disappointment because it's not even humanly possible to do that's a greater Great analogy, Esther Perel. If you're married, she's really good. Yes, she yes. tells the truth. Um, so, yeah, yes. back to Josh. Sup- Not Sup- Harris, by the way, Josh. Yeah. No. Um, so, another kind of real moment. So, anyone who's here has struggled with failure in this area, probably. And so, especially when you're, you're talking to someone who didn't grow up in church. You know, there's always failure. And with that failure, there's always massive shame. So how do you overcome that? And how do you help someone else overcome that? And, you know, heal and move forward. Because that's, that's just my experience working with people, knowing myself, you know. Oh, that's just the real. Again, I think it has, that shame it has to do with elevating sex to such an important thing that I can never live this big sex idol down you know uh, let me give you an example you talking about being real I'll be a little bit real with you here when we were about 14 I was about 14 you know I have four bro- four brothers five of us and one of our neighbors he's kind of was old he's an older neighbor but anyway it sounds funny to you guys today with the with the phone but he brought a bunch of playboy magazines you know what those are 
you know, the mag in the, in the old days it was like a magazine. And um, anyway, he brought a bunch of these over the house. And he's an older guy, and my he's a, my older brother's friends. And he just leaves this stack of magazines around. And and you you know you got teenage boys, and this guy's dropping dropping these magazines. I mean, it it, it was a uh, uh, you know you know what I'm saying. The the articles were fascinating. So um, <laughs> the the um, what happened was my dad somehow picked up on it. And it was, we're talking about like in a matter of maybe weeks, whatever, a few weeks they were there. They're kind of stashed away in, in my older brother's room. But, um, uh, but you know, my dad came, to, I remember came, came back there one day. You boys get rid of those things, throw them out. Your mother doesn't like that stuff. That was it. I never had one guilty thought, not even one. You know what I mean? I mean, it's so. You talk about shame. I never thought, oh my God, I'm going to be blind in the morning. Oh God, please don't make me blind. It, it never had nothing. Um, so that that has always fascinated me because I hear church kids talk about pornography and they're like, oh my God, I want to. What's going to happen? And and I want to go take a bottle of pills and like, what? Stop. I mean, wh why do you feel like that? Um, you know why? Because they've elevated this to be so everything. But to us, I, we weren't saved. We were Catholic, but nominally Catholic. It was like, wow, we got busted. Don't, don't want to do that again. You know. And you know, my dad did the right thing. You know, we never did. We we didn't diss him like that anymore. It was like a respect thing, right? Your mother doesn't like it. Throw him out. And they went into the bin, and that that was it. That was the episode. How I've always wondered why do church kids freak out over this stuff? They freak out over it, and then they lose their bearings. And you know why? Because of that idol. Some of you need to repent of that big, the big sex idol. You know. Such for some of you, it's over, right? Go ahead. Well, I Becca. Think, I think part of the reason why people get so stressed by this kind of sin is that a lot of the conversations that you have, especially growing up in church, about those types of sins, is always in the other context of it like it's so bad don't do it if you do it like it's sin you can go to hell like it's always that it's never the other part of it where it's like there's grace you know like <laughs> you know so life, those conversations right? don't happen because especially when like you said you wouldn't be preaching this to vision and i totally understand that but when you're total like you grow up in church and that's all you hear and then when life hits and you hit temptation and you fail then it's like all i've heard about this subject is the judgment of it it's doom the torn tape yeah right? not the grace of it you know yeah. so i think that's part of the reason is that people don't talk about it because it's so awkward and it's really uncomfortable um and so when you do mess up and you're like wow like all I've heard about this subject is that I'm doomed from the, like there's no hope for me and there's like no grace and so I mean grace is preached but uh, it's not specifically a lot about that topic of you know if you mess up in this specific topic that you know is bad and it has consequences like lifelong consequences sometimes that but there's still grace there's still grace is still yeah. bigger right yeah. still uh, very, it's very good who we missed somebody over here who oh. yeah I just Oh. I just have something to add to Isaac, John. right? Isaiah. Isaiah, I'm sorry. I knew he was in the Bible. I knew. It's Isaiah, but. 
All right. So no, what Josh had said. Um, I think like for me, like coming from that lifestyle of like, you know, in the world and just um, you know, having sex. Uh, I think when you just get that relationship with God, that's when like you don't. Um, I don't know what he was saying. It just that just brought to my mind is like, well, me when I got saved and then just build my relationship with God, like sex it didn't even matter no more like that was like it's just what you said like it's not a big thing it's like it's what sex is not this big old like um it is amazing but like it's not it's nothing to like really like it's not the most important thing in life it's not the most important thing in life like god is the most important thing in life and i think once you do build that relationship with god like that someone coming from the world like that it just like it you're not because you know you once you were addicted to it but then you're like not no more you know and then kind of what becca was saying too brought to my mind like yeah you know church kids they grow up they they're preached to like oh if you fornicate you're gonna be doomed this and that and that so i think that's why they fall off and they backslide maybe because once they do fall into that temptation they do have sex then they're like oh well my whole life i grew up knowing that if i did do this i was gonna be doomed so all right, be, peace out, deuces, I'm gone. You yeah, know? yeah, I'm damaged goods, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty so much. I might as well enjoy myself. <laughs> now, uh, let me just say this uh, before, um, uh, what's your name? Daniel. Daniel, for Daniel Talks. Um, this girl that I, I read her article in the Huffington Post, her piece, she says a lot more dumb things than that. But, um, but you know, you kind of identify with that. You guys identify with that feeling that she like, oh man, I'm just torn and messed up, and maybe I can't even believe in God. And go ahead, Daniel. Um, I'm gonna kind of double back off your question, and I think a lot of um, me, me and Isaias have a lot of conversations about grace and having a past. Um, some people that know my past, I was married and divorced and stuff. And I think for me, I found a lot of grace in in coming back to the church and my relationship with God. But I think when, you know, you're Josh talking about, like, how can someone with faith talk to someone who has whatever going on, especially if it's sexual past or whatever, how do you relate to it is I found like a lot of it was a lot of religious, um, righteous perspective. It was a lot of like, oh, you know, and I got a lot of dispersions cast upon me. It was a lot of like questions about like, oh, are you here for the right reasons? And so like in, in my head, I was here for the faith and for, for the walk with God and my relationship. But when it was a human to human uh, interactions, it felt more like um, trying to validate, trying to uh, prove that I was who I say I was to prove that I wasn't just some wolf in sheep's clothing. And so I think, you know, in, if, if you want to know how do I talk to somebody that maybe is falling off the wagon or sinned is are you looking to fix them or are you, love, are you looking to love on them and I think a lot of times it's, it's it's like oh you have a problem so I know how to fix it here's my verses here's you know let's pray for you let's you know let's get you back in church how many times are you going to church are you only going once a month oh we need to get that up we need and instead it needs to be a place of grace and I think a lot of times just showing grace to somebody allows a lot of that stuff to fall by the wayside you know, if you look at like the different times that Christ talked to people that with the checkered past like that, he doesn't even like really acknowledge it. He just acknowledged that they're forgiven. And then he's like, okay, you're, you're clean. And that's it. And I feel but a lot of times, even though I knew I was clean and I knew about my faith was real, that I was like, oh, well, once I get reach a year, they'll think I'm serious. Once I reach a year and a half, they'll know I'm serious. Once they see me at church a thousand times a day, they'll know I'm serious. And it's like, well, that's just trying to feed into their religious 
um, instead of like having the eyes of God and being able to talk to someone and say like, oh, like they may still have, you know, failures and make mistakes, but I can see God in them because I see God in myself and I can relate to them. And so, you know, like, you know, I, and I see that with these ideas, you know, like I think it's why we bonded so quickly is because we're both, you know, on this path of trying to rebuild our lives. But like, I know you're genuine and I know other people are genuine. I can see it because I, I feel it in my heart. So I don't look at people like, oh, well, you know, they, uh, they mess around with that one chick. They must, they must be back in sin. You know, it's like, okay, well, how can I come with as a place of, of, of grace and mercy and just love on them and then let God work on them instead of me trying to work on them and fix them for, for God? Yeah. I mean, again, if you can keep your eyes on God, then all that other stuff kind of like it just get its impact is reduced. But, you know, the testimony, we rebuild our lives, we build our testimonies. And so and, and what a lot of it is just God. Well, you know what God wants? I'll say it again. Learn to do right. Sometimes we don't automatically do the right thing. And that's one of the ways to recognize what's inside of us. The Bible says all this stuff comes from the heart, right? It comes fornication and all this stuff doesn't even come from the body it comes from the heart first what's inside of us comes out and then when you start realizing that about yourself then you can then you can say you know what i'm going to be the right thing i'm going to be the right kind of person some of the most morally minded people are people that scraped up and said oh oh i could be seriously dangerous man let me uh we're gonna hear from jr in a second but let me throw a little statistic out about women and alcoholism do you know that most women become alcoholics after the age of 30? It's guys that are young and stupid and drinking and showing off, you know, and, and guzzling and whatnot. But, uh, and I know that, well, maybe now with, with all the, uh, um, uh, what do they call that? Uh, you know, when everyone goes, all the university kids go off, cr go crazy during a spring break. Um, you know, there's a lot of binging that goes on there, but you know that most girl, women, they start drinking later in life. You know, a lot of them would, would have, what I'm saying is they would have looked down on that early. Like, oh, God, that girl, she's, she's gross. She's out there, you know, all slutty, you know. And those, but they become alcoholics because they start sipping wine after 30, and then life gets really hard on them all of a sudden. Things go wrong. Their, their, their relationships start breaking down, and they start looking to the bottle. And that's how most people, so a lot of people don't even know who they are. That's that, back to that, right? You figure yourself out after a while and say, oh, I know who I want to be, and I don't want to be that. I know what's inside of me, and I'm not going there, right? Those are the most, those are the strongest people, who, people who know that. Sometimes you have to scrape a little bit to figure that out, unfortunately. JR. Yeah, I, um, I, just with the first comment, I think it's really interesting that um, Dante's uh, Divine Comedy is kind of like a theological book, and that the top ring of hell is for lust, and in a way, it's like the easiest to get. Oh, it's not like pride, like there is no God and I can live on my own. It's almost one of those things that's almost the easiest to overcome and, and be like, you know what, I can defeat this. Right. But I think also when it comes to because the church does have to come down on sexual immorality, if there's sin, you know, people even have to get put out of the church. But I think in those times I've seen people come back where they're like, you know what? I'm in this for God. And if you can find God in that moment, faith is in a way a very particular, it's you and God. Yes, you need the church. Yes, come back if you've been kicked out or, you know, you're on discipline or something. But that's a real moment when it's like, God, 
It's all about you. And yes, I'm going to connect with my church family again. I want to get in the body of God. I want to be a part of this. But it really gives you that time to be like, you know what? God, you died for me and my sin and my, you know, all these things that I'm going through. And it's a real chance to just be like, man, it's all about you, God. And then, you know, about your family and, and the church. Oh, yeah. So it really, if you can understand it from what I'm saying, you learn. You learn it. If you can learn... You're gonna, you're gonna be okay, and that's the most important thing. Um, who's next? I was I was actually gonna say Jr. kind of like summed it up in a way. Like I was gonna say like when you're coming back and you're just like okay like I think a lot of people like their their concern is like oh I have to make it right with my pastors and my church and my friends and like I have to make it right with everyone and the, and they forget like wait 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 like back it up like first like i have to make it right with my savior you know like right. and they just they leave that part out and i was talking to pastor alvin this morning he was like he was like give me some sermon like something but he was like you he's like it's good yes make it right with your pastor like you you need to have good relationship with your church and your pastors of course but he's like but like you have to first like like make it right with god and repent to god and and realize that that's your number one relationship. That's your number one priority. And then to follow, it comes with your church. It comes with your pastor. Like after you like get your heart and your mind and your everything with God first, it's like, it just kind of comes afterwards. Then it's your pastors and your family and your parents and your church and all that stuff. And I think that's one thing we kind of forget. It's like, we're so focused on like, oh, I have to fix my reputation. And like kind of that too, like I have to fix it, fix it, fix it. But it's like, in a way it's like, no, like you have to repent turn from that and like be like get better like you just have to try to be better and that that's why like you know i feel like it's kind of missed that point yeah right it's very good first things first it's just hey god what do you want me to do okay god I, that that's not your way i'm gonna get back on i'm gonna do your do it your way and and uh very good so I'm going to come at it Edmund. from like the church kid perspective. Um, so what what I dealt with a lot when I was growing up in church is that like, you know, you would divulge your, you know, yourself in some of this stuff and you'd almost like the same thing where you're preached time and time again. If you're doing this, then you're going to hell. Like, you know, get out of here. Don't even bring it up. So you just have on your mindset, like I can't talk to anybody because if I talk to someone, then it comes out and then all of a sudden it's a huge deal. But what needs to happen is there needs to be that grace factor as well that's talked about because um, I had a conversation with Pastor Gary and he was saying that, yes, a lot of people's excuses are, oh yeah, it's, it's between me and God, it's between me and God, God knows, you know? And so that's trying, they're trying to work it out themselves. They're trying to keep it internal and they try to fix it themselves. And a, and a lot of times that's just, you can't do that. You have to have that community. You have to have that support system like you talked about. And so when you're able to bring it out among everybody, um, well, not everybody, but among people you trust and people that can help you, people that are a couple of steps ahead of you, um, there's healing that's involved. There's, there's something that you can, yeah, your relationship with God is now restored, but now they can help you to set up those boundaries and stuff like that. But if you keep it internally, because what I struggled with a lot was I was like, all right, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything again. I'm never going to do anything again. And then like, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. But then it's just like, you're, you're always fall short. You'll always never have enough strength unless you open it up to be able to be corrected and to deal with the issue instead of just keep hiding it, keep hiding it, keep hiding it. Yeah, it, it, that's, that's the struggle, isn't it? And, and that's, that's why, you, you know, again, it, you, we layer it in. That's what, we know that the people don't give us our reputation back. 
but you do know people are your community they're your support group they're your accountability group you know there's other factors it's just putting things in the right perspective and saying I know that this is not the last word if I honor God and it is not the last word and that's I think the mentality of our day ironically sometimes the church mirrors the world in an opposite way and it, that's no good either you know God is God the world's the world and um, we're not opposite of the world the world has rebelled against God and, and they've done their own thing so uh, very good any well, uh, Shauna back I, here. I just have a question how do you counsel couples to like set those boundaries like you know when when it's clear that the relationship is maybe a little bit more serious than just a couple dates like how do you counsel them to like you know set like set standards that aren't like or set convictions that aren't standards like you know what I mean like the standard is we don't have sex like but like where do you say those convictions lie where there's like you know do you hold hands do you hug do you well you, you know um, I like what you just said you were you were, you were blunt and straight to the point you work back from there the standard is that you're not going to sleep together if you're a Christian right right yeah that's a that's a biblical standard yes that's biblical and you're accountable to each other as Christians and you're accountable to your church community as well for that standard guys you are accountable someone can call you out on that without they can get all up in your business when it comes to that if you're in church yes they can so that's your standard so you work back from that standard right there. So what do we have to do to, to ensure that we don't go here, right? And that's where that's where it's it's not a matter of uh, you know you know people everybody's different, and so I, I don't want to say too much, but to say too little is wrong too. But if you think you're going to be all carnal and fleshy, and you're you're going to manage passion, what did he say? It's better to marry than to burn. What do you think he's talking about there? passion just takes over your relationship the moment passion takes over it you stop talking you know that right you know the, it's interesting how women they just want to talk they want to talk they want to talk uh, after you get married they want to talk they want to talk they want to talk but let me tell you something you want your man to talk to you he's gonna have to learn how to talk to you before you get married and if you're like if if you're all over each other he's not gonna, he's not gonna develop talking skills with you that's real right there what I just told you you guys don't know I just told you it's very real uh, you have to talk Amen. If, 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 so women you control that in a sense uh, he'll, tr he'll, he'll have to talk to you because men, men they say that uh, what are they, women have 30,000 words a day and men have 15 have you ever heard that and so by the time most men get home they've spent all 15 you know so that can be a problem. So you got to teach that guy how to talk. And if if it's all if it's all huffing and puffing, there's not going to be a lot of talking. Even if you don't go all the way, it's just not going to have a lot of talking. So uh, who else here? That's good, man. This turned out to be actually a pretty good discussion here. <laughs> not even in the notes. I have a question. Sure. Um, what do you how do, what would you say to someone who has the mentality that well, I already messed up, so what's the point? Or like, I already did this, so like, why don't like, what's what's the point in continuing? I think. Yeah, you know, if they were a church kid, I would just call them a, an idolater. Yeah, man, you fell for that. You're you're a sex idolater, man. That's what. If it was a church kid and I knew them well enough, 
That's what I would tell them. If I didn't know them well enough, I, I would say that in, in nicer terms. <laughs> <laughs> more rounded, more roundabout terms. But so basically, I, yeah, you put all it all right there. That's your problem. You never, kn- you never figured out what it was to be a Christian. You think it's about being, it's, the, it's a perfection doctrine, guys. Yeah. And the perfectionism is from hell. Because not one person can ever live up to it. So it will torment you right out of the kingdom of God. So perfectionism, it's horrible. That's church true. church kids are, are I'm so condemned, I'm so condemned. You know why you're so condemned? Because you're self-righteous. You've set yourself up as a higher tribunal than God. I, sorry, really quick. I feel like, too, a lot of times, you don't, when you are a church kid, there's almost like, it's like this climatic moment like you're you build your whole life to it and then it's like it happens and then it's like saying like it becomes so much a part of your identity that when it happens you're like oh well who am i now and it's like you're saying but that is such like a self-righteous attitude because it's like then it 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 really reveals your heart because it's like well you were doing it for yourself you weren't actually doing it for the glory of god you know what i mean yeah well absolutely and that's a very actually it's very deeply theoretical but it's true uh, you know, all Paul's saying is live your life to the glory of God, right? That's all he's saying here. Put him for even if even if it means you never get married, he's saying live your life for the glory of God. It's that important. And so, but he said, but if you marry you, you're never sinned. God will, you know, God has a has a plan for that too. So, it's a matter of understanding yourself for who you're supposed to be as a Christian. And uh, you know, um, what we're gonna do before we finish, we'll have another comment here. But we're just going to pray, and we're going to uh, all, all, I mean, together we want to renounce. It's a self-righteous spirit, folks, where we have it. We've set this thing up so high that it eclipses God's very words, you know, about it. And the Christianity is about being cleansed and learning how to walk with God. So Paul's in Corinth. This is the dirty, nasty Corinth. This is Greece. You ever read about ancient Greece? They were dirty. And so he's teaching these people how to live for God. And he was such a radical idea, if you think about it. He, and this is why he got in trouble with a lot of his fellow Jews. And there's a big part of the Bible where the Jews are always like, Paul, you're crazy. You know, we, we need to impl- implement some old standards on these people. You'll never straighten these people out. But what did Paul say? The just shall live by their faith. That he believed that faith could change somebody's character and make them into the right person and teach them how to do the right thing. So that's Christianity right there. The just will live by their faith. You want to be really holy? It's because of your faith. You learn by your faith how to do the right thing. Is there one more? Yeah, there it is. I just, so kind of to help answer Kelsey's question, she said, um, you said, like, what's the point? So um, I think when it comes to that, like, not just sex, any sin. So I, I thought of two scriptures that came to mind, and it was when... Um, when Jesus was going to deny, I mean, when <laughs> Jesus, when Peter was going to deny Jesus and um, Jesus said, you know, like you said, just to live by faith. Jesus said, Satan has asked for you that he'll sift you as wheat, but I'm praying for you that your faith doesn't fail. And when you have returned, strengthen your brethren. Um, and in, in first Peter, after it talks about the devil and the roaring lion, lion, it says, now the God of all grace who is, this is 1 Peter 5.10, it says, Now the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will, will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little. 
So I think the point is, the point is two, two things. It's one, like Jesus said, um, you have brethren who, who need your experience. So when you go through something, it's, it's not, I'm not saying like do it for the point of it, but if you're going through something and you're failing in an area, when you go through that, God, like Pastor said, God can make all things work together for your good. So in, when you go through that, now you're equipped because you know what's going on. You can strengthen your brethren. And the other point is to God be all the glory forever and ever. So it's like when, you, when you've gone through that and it wasn't your righteousness, it wasn't what you could do, but God did something in you that you couldn't do for yourself that's kind of also the point so that those are kind of i guess reasons yeah, reasons for the struggle yeah very powerful verses why don't we stand up i want us to all pray together i'm not going to single anybody out here but i want us to come up here we're going to pray and um we're going to just take dominion because i think there's a commonality to this something's very common so why don't we all just come because i'm not going to single anybody out here but let me just start we're going to pray guys and as we pray, we're going to destroy the idol of, uh, of the sex god, that it's everything. And whether that has to do, as I said, with people in this world thinking they ought to have a relationship no matter what, or Christians thinking, oh, I can never, I can never recover from that failure. It's the same idol. You guys understand what I'm saying? It's just a Christian way of viewing that idol. Um, and so what I want to, we're going to just renounce right now, and we're going to renounce it. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. You know, we're gonna, sexual morality, failure, perversions. Sometimes this has to do with very murky abuse situations. I am not unaware that many first sexual relationships have an abuse context to it. It doesn't mean it's out-and-out out abuse. But like I mentioned, that girl, some kind of date rape stuff and, or, or, uh, or older person taking advantage of a younger person. There's a lot of really murky things that go along with human sexuality and you and when you get older you begin to understand that for what it is when you're young you got you, you know you got the fairy tale but it's not the fairy tale guys it never has been the fairy tale that's the truth and so you can't let these things hold you down i talk to people all the time uh people gone on in life they go back to incidents when they were children and they in their minds it's like uh, you you'll 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 you're never gonna you, if I tell you this, you'll never accept me again. And you, you just hear the stories like, man, they believe that in their head all those years. They believe that. It's not true. What do you mean I'll never accept? What, what? So life happened to you, okay? Uh, it's not that it's good or acceptable or that person is somehow off the hook. But it's just life. life that's how life really goes, folks. And this is why this is, this is for adults only. And uh, you have to be able to put that stuff on the altar. The blood of Jesus. Put it on the altar. It's over. Go on. Move on in life. You don't have to live your whole life based on incidents and experiences and nicks and cuts and bruises. The blood of Jesus came to cleanse and to set you free, heal you, and you become who you're supposed to be. Amen? And so some of you, we're going to repent. We're going re to, uh, you're going you're gonna to break that idol and say that's over the blood of Jesus pray this with me right now father in Jesus name we take dominion over Satan's devices over the intimidating spirit of sexuality that condemns and torments and and, and causes destruction 
God, we plead the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, Lord, cleanses us, cleanses us from all unrighteousness, purges us so we are clean in, in the sight of God. We cast off every chain from the past, every yoke of bondage, all guilt, all shame, wash it away and in, enable us to go forward in God with faith, dominion, and victory. Teach us to do the right thing, and we will follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Father God, be glorified and magnified. Hallelujah. Oh, God, stretch out your hand, God, of ministry and grace and blessing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Let us know what you liked about the episode and what you'd like to hear in future recordings. We'll see you next time. God bless.